morning. It's Money Talk with James Ross. It's 21 minutes to 9 o'clock. And in your money today, uh, Karen Wright continues the focus on crypto, taking a look at how regulators and the industry are, walk, are working to keep your assets safe. Well, good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. Yeah, the last year was pretty challenging for the crypto sector and a lot of people lost a lot of their digital assets. So let's take a look at what the options are for safeguarding those assets and what role regulators are playing. I'm joined by Alessio Quaglini. He is the CEO of Hextrust, which is a licensed and insured provider of custody for digital assets. Good morning, Alessio. Good morning, Carolyn. So how was it that so many investors found themselves losing access to their digital assets with the failures of the various crypto exchanges that we saw over the last year or so? Well, that was due to uh, a number, number of factors. So obviously, we really lack a regulatory framework to protect investors. And then the, uh, as a result, the market really developed in its own way. Um, the, the role of lending platforms and exchanges in particular um, has really played an important role in the, in the way the, uh, the market developed. So if we look at both lending platforms and exchanges, while their uh, names are exchanges and lending platforms, they actually operated as banks uh, with a fractional reserves. Uh, that, that means that when depositors deposit their assets on those platforms, they basically become unsecured creditors and their assets are not held in custody in a segregated and bankruptcy remote account, uh, which means that then these platforms, they can use, utilize those assets for whatever purpose. And usually they would utilize them to earn additional return by lending them out or by or through making investments as, as it happened in the case of Alameda. Uh, when the market crashed, uh, then those investments, the value of those investments uh, d decreased and the bank run uh, caused uh, those platforms to uh, having to sell those assets for a lower value and then hence the, uh, the loss of value for uh, investors in those platforms. So let's look at the options for helping to keep your assets safe. Can you explain what a, a crypto custodian is and how it compares to the other options investors have for keeping their assets safe, like uh, cold wallets, for example? Sure. Um, custodians really play an important role in both traditional finance and in, in digital asset finance. Uh, they basically safe keep uh, clients' asset in a segregated and bankruptcy remote uh, account, which means that if the intermediary goes down for whatever reason, uh, assets are usually segregated and clients are able to um, to withdraw those assets. Uh, now, in the case of uh, traditional finance, uh, this function is usually performed by banks. And so we have the big names such as uh, State Street, uh, BNY Mellon, uh, Northern Trust, etc. Uh, in the digital asset world, we don't have those banks. And in the absence of banks, we basically have some specialized companies uh, that are specialized in the, in, the crypto, um, in the crypto custody activity. They're usually fully licensed independent custodians with really a focus on compliance, risk management, regulation, governance, and uh, client servicing. Um, Xtrust is an example of those companies. So in the case of 
clients, if they want to protect those assets, every time they interact with an intermediary, such as an exchange, a broker-dealer, etc., they will have to make sure that those intermediaries uh, are utilizing a licensed and independent custodian uh, to keep clients' assets. So in the case the intermediary has an issue or goes into a bankruptcy process, their assets will be safe. So that sounds like crypto custodians are regulated f very similarly to the traditional financial world. I is that the case and is, is that changing? Well, I wish the answer was yes. Uh, unfortunately, um, we are really uh, in a market at, that is at its infancy. So we reg regulators are coming to the space with, I would say, a little bit of a delay and lots of um, regulatory frameworks that should have been in place to avoid what happened in the last few months uh, were not in place or are not in place yet. We have some countries that are uh, that have been a little bit faster uh, than others and have put in place some frameworks, but I would say that in today's world this is still very limited and um, in, in certain countries custodians they have to rely on um, custody rules that apply to traditional finance but not necessarily to digital assets and in other countries that are very new frameworks that actually allow crypto custodians to get a proper license but the number of these countries uh, is very limited. So let's uh, focus in here on Hong Kong. Tell us about the proposal for regulations of dis digital assets here and how that's progressing and how you might see things changing as a result. Yes, so the, the Hong Kong regulators have been looking at the space for uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, the, the recent consultation proposal and the new framework uh, basically is, revolves around the activities of virtual asset trading platforms, uh, exchanges. So the, the regulatory framework will be, uh, unless there, is, there are any changes before the final publication, uh, the, the framework will only revolve around the activities of virtual asset exchanges, which means that the activity of custody uh, would not be uh, separately uh, licensed or regulated. Um, while it's very positive that we have this kind of uh, progress in Hong Kong's stance towards digital assets and th this kind of um, progressive approach is actually uh, attracting back to Hong Kong lots of crypto companies, uh, I believe that the, the new framework is falling short um, for, a number, for a number of reasons. And uh, considering what happened in the past few months and the, the issue of um, the lack of segregation of assets in uh, virtual asset exchanges. Uh, I would say that the fact that the activity of custody and virtual asset trading platforms is not segregated in the new framework is really a missed opportunity to put in place a proper regulatory framework to protect investors. So you think actually regulators should be clamping down a little bit more on the custody sector or, or coming up with a framework at the very least? I think, I mean, I believe that it is clear that there was something really missing and the uh, all the um, what happened in the past few months is embezzlement fraud misappropriation of clients money all of these things could have been really prevented uh, if the digital asset intermediaries were using independent custodians so not addressing this point and postponing it uh, to a later and undefined uh, stage of regulation, uh, I think is a big gap uh, that could have been filled at this stage. 
So a lot of um, speculation around the new proposals here for regulation of digital assets have thought that they're going to open up the market more to retail investors. Do, do you think that's a wise move? And, and how are you seeing the industry developing here as a result? Well, I think it's obviously it's positive to have a regulator looking into that and putting some guidelines and rules. Um, I wouldn't say that uh, the market is going to fundamentally change. Uh, retail investors in um, in Hong Kong and in other countries, they already have access to international and global exchanges. What we're talking about here is really uh, putting rules and regulations around exchanges operating in Hong Kong and marketing to the uh, wider public in Hong Kong. Now, um, the big question is, if we put in place a very strict uh, regulation in, in, in Hong Kong for these exchanges and uh, the, the wider retail public still has access to the international exchanges that operate without, without the strict guidelines, are exchanges in Hong Kong really going to be competitive? And is the, the, the broader retail public in Hong Kong going to choose to trade uh, with exchanges that offer, that offer worse prices than international exchanges or less products? So I think the main, the main point is to see how the SFC is going to enforce the presence of international exchanges uh, in the city. So it, it sounds like almost they should be looking to align themselves more with how regulations are developing around the world so that pretty much the, the rules are very similar everywhere and then people won't look elsewhere to, to access digital asset trading. Well, this is um, obviously this would be amazing. The issue is that uh, if you look at the the structure of the blockchain market, is fundamentally different from the traditional finance. In traditional finance, you have kind of silos, and usually one stock is only traded in one market. Um, and there are few exceptions for that, but usually that is the case. So, if um, an investor wants to trade that stock, they have to comply with the rules of that local market. In the digital asset there in the digital asset market there is no boundary. So you can trade Bitcoin in every single country, right? And there's obviously a regulatory uh, arbitrage going on. So unless regulators are able to harmonize regulation at least uh, across common denominators um, around the world in the developed markets, then we will still have this kind of regulatory arbitrage which will push um, investors to the most favourable platforms. Okay, thanks for clearing all of that up for us today. That was Alessio Quaglini, the CEO of Hex Trust, joining me today. Thanks, Carolyn, and uh, thanks, Alessio.